your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacU Health with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Hello and welcome to the Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Geld, the host of the documentary, Open Your Eyes. Please visit the film's website at openyoureyes2020.com featuring interviews with more than 50 optometrists from around the country sharing information on eye care and eye disease. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell to get notifications of great new interviews. Also, please leave comments. Every person over 40 years of age will get presbyopia. So what is presbyopia? Today's guest, North Carolina optometric physician, Dr. Rachel Rubel, has given this topic a lot of thought. Dr. Rubel is a well-known educator, lecturer, clinical investigator, and industry writer. Dr. Rubel, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So I want to start off with the different types of refractive conditions that as eye doctors that we have to deal with on a regular basis. And then we're going to dive deep into presbyopia. Sounds like a plan. So, so let's start with myopia. Perfect. Well, myopia is when close objects look clear, but distance objects appear blurred. You may hear it as nearsightedness, and it sounds different. You're going, I'm nearsighted, but it's, you can see up close, far away is blurry. And myopia is an epidemic that occurs in about half of the global population. Um, by the year 2050, it just keeps growing and growing. And we experience symptoms like eye strain, headaches, squinting, blurred vision far away. It's actually the second most common cause of global blindness um, in the world. So it's continuing to rise. We see it in patients every single day. Patients that have high myopia or high nearsightedness are actually at a higher risk of having retinal detachments. So really important to get those checked out. Do you think myopia is, is a vision condition? And now it's considered more of a disease. Where do you fall on that? Very interesting question. You know, it's always been considered a vision condition, but the thing is, is myopia can cause disease. If your eyeballs longer than an average patient, that causes more nearsightedness and it puts you at risk for eye disease that could lead to blindness. So how about astigmatism? Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's that big word that you hear, you call it stigmatism, but it's astigmatism. It's an imperfection in the curvature of your cornea. I always like to talk to patients, think about a normal eye as being shaped like a basketball, nice and round. But with an astigmatism, your eye shaped more like a football, it's a little more oval shaped. So when light enters your eye, it refracts differently. It doesn't go straight through. It may cause things like headlights, soaking off of headlights or glare halos. Um, about 33% of the US population have some degree of an astigmatism. 
and um, that can be corrected in your glasses and contact prescriptions. And what's the percentage of people in the U.S. that have astigmatism? The prevalence of astigmatism is around 32%. And let's talk about hyperopia now. Yes, hyperopia is something that we can have even at birth. It's farsightedness, so opposite of myopia. It's a common vision condition where you can see distance objects clearly. You may see you're the, you're the person that can see a mile down the road, but up close, things may start to get blurry. Um, you need to squint clearly to see your phone or your computer, or your eyes may feel tired or strained at the end of the day. You may even get headaches after doing close work tasks like reading or writing. Um, it is something that we have at birth, but it can go away as, as we get older, between age three or four, it starts to go away, but then it can come back. And what's the prevalence? Prevalence of hyperopia is around 10%. Uh, so about 14 million in the U.S. have hyperopia. And now let's talk about presbyopia, presbyopia. And if you could tell us the difference between presbyopia and hyperopia, because patients get very confused about that. Yeah, that, that is one that is um, easily confused because both of them, presbyopia and hyperopia, you can't see up close. Presbyopia, though, it's due to the eye's ability to focus on near objects. And there's lots of theories behind what causes it. But it's something that where our eye's ability to focus starts to decrease. Sometime between your 35th and 45th birthday, you wake up to the reality that your arms are no longer long enough to hold that medicine bottle to see it clearly. While it's not pathological, you're not born with presbyopia, it does still require treatment to correct that near vision. And those of us that have presbyopia, it's really a pain in the neck. Now I'm wearing yes. special contact lenses for presbyopia, and we're going to get into some of the new discoveries with these new eye drops for presbyopia, which uh, I know during research, uh, we had uh, Dr. Bobby Sines on, on the show, and he was saying when they were doing research on the presbyopic drop, that when they had to take it away from the patients, they were not happy because they were so excited about having these drops so they could read up close. So we're going to get into that in a little bit, but what's the incidence of presbyopia? How big is that market? Yeah, so I always like to talk to patients about presbyopia. It's like death and taxes. It's one of our life certainties. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. And it can occur in a hundred, right now it affects 128 million people in the U.S. around age 40 and 2 billion worldwide. I mean, that market is huge for those that just can't see up close. I know it's just starting to hit me a little bit and, uh, I'm ready for some new treatments <laughs> to avoid those little reading glasses at the end of your nose. Uh, Dr. Rubel, you're giving away your age. I know. <laughs> uh, wait till you catch up to me. So you talked about focusing before and, uh, and, and, and loss of focusing, when, which is presbyopia. So focusing in optometry, and the medical term is accommodation. So explain accommodation and some of the theories of how it works and why we need to accommodate. Yeah, no, the process of accommodation is really the most single studied physiological process in the visual system. We still don't fully understand all of its intricacies. There's some theories that during accommodation, the ciliary muscle, it contracts and thus the lens diameter in the eye is reduced. There's zonal fibers around the lens that can relax 
and their lens shape will become more spherical or round. And that is when the lens is moving back and forth, we accommodate to see up close. So when we lose that ability, we become presbyopic. Explain what happens as we get older. What's happening to the lens and when, why aren't we able to accommodate anymore? Yeah, that's, that's the question there. And the theory is that the, uh, the lens moves away from the, the, sorry, the zymules, they move away from the equator of the lens, so the central portion there. It flattens the periphery of the lens, causing the center of the lens to expand, adding plus power. So it's not able to focus if we don't have that ability to um, contract that lens. So what are the current treatments now? Somebody comes into your office and they're over 40 and they can't read up close or they're already wearing glasses, but now they can't read up close with their glasses. So what are our options right now, presently? Well, currently we have contact lenses. A lot of options in contact lenses as far as multifocal contacts that may have a bifocal or near vision enhancements in them. Um, we've got, obviously glasses are an option. Monovision contacts, wearing one eye for distance, one eye for near, and really those are our only options we can give patients right now. And then there's surgical procedures we can talk about as well. Yeah, so we'll talk about that, the corneal inlays, and if somebody has cataract surgery, multifocal IOL. So we're going to get into that. But now the new discovery are these drops. You know, they're using a drop called pilocarpi now that has recently been, has been approved by the FDA. And that was a drop I used many years ago for glaucoma to give away my age. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was funny, we would use that drop and we'd have patients that would have these tiny little pupils and they would be able to read. And I always wondered why we weren't able to use that uh, for people who were presbyopic, but back in the day when we had 1% and 2% and 4% pilocarpine in some of the smaller percentages, people used to get a lot of side effects and a lot of headaches. But before we go into the constricting, uh, the pilocarpine type drops, let's talk about lead and softening agents. Novartis ha has been working with arlipoic acid, which actually softens the lens in the eye. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, their drop is an ester. It's a lipoic acid and choline that penetrates the cornea when you put it in. And what it does is it reduces the disulfide bonds that are between the lens proteins that occur with age. And the thought is it's restoring that lens elasticity that allows us to accommodate and focus up close. And how far is Novartis away, do you think, from getting this one approved? You know, there, last I heard, their phase two study um, was completed. And so they're getting to the point um, for, for Novartis, the phase two B. So they haven't gone through phase three with the FDA yet. So it's getting there. But so, it is a different mechanism than all of these other drops out there. So we did a podcast with Dr. Sines, Bobby Sines, and, uh, and we talked about keratoconus. And keratoconus, we talk about cross-linking and making the cornea stiffer. But this is the opposite. We're making the cornea softer. We're making, I'm sorry, we're making the lens inside the eye softer. So we're using an opposite approach to softening the lens inside the eye so it could actually focus again. You got it. And it's actually showed um, to help near acuity by the 15th day of taking it. 
And by, by day 91, they were showing that patients were seeing better up close about 2040 vision, um, using it twice a day. The disadvantage is, is that it may not be good for those later presbyopes that are already you know, past that point that still have the uh, ability to accommodate in the lens. You know, I know that Dick Lindstrom at the University of Minnesota has been working on, on this for a while. And, you know, we look at alpha-lipoic acid really as a supplement. A lot of people take R-lipoic acid, alpha-lipoic acid, because it's kind of a one-of-a-kind, super antioxidant, uh, anti-inflammatory type uh, type of uh, supplement you get in alpha lipoic acid is in potatoes and it's in green vegetables so and it's actually helps with the process of glucose so it's interesting that 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 alpha lipoic acid could get they could make it with as a pro drug to get it through the front of the eye through the cornea to the lens of the eye to actually soften it and make it more flexible as an uncross linking yeah, that's exactly what it's doing is it once it penetrates the cornea, it's reducing the disulfide bonds that are in the lens there. And that's what's allowing it to restore that elasticity to accommodate. It's, but you're exactly right. This is something that has been around for many years that we take and, you know, that it can penetrate the cornea and cause us to be able to see up close again is, is incredible. So let's look where we are today. You know, we're, it's very exciting because a new medication has been approved by the FDA that uh, you're going to be going to your doctor's office to get this medication. Uh, and it causes the pupil to constrict. They're called myotics and they constrict the pupil. Give us a little background on that. Yeah, so the thought behind it is if a myotic constricts the pupil, it will allow like one or less rays of light in our eye giving us the pinhole effect. You may have been in your doctor's office and they held up a little device that has all these little holes in it and you have to look through it and you may see better if you have one hole or if you hold up like a paper towel holder and you look through it, you may be able to focus through it easier because there's less light rays going into your eye. So the thought is if we can make your pupil smaller, we'll give you a better depth of field, create a pinhole effect where you can focus up close. It blocks out all the peripheral rays that can create blurred vision. So talk to us about this new medication that has been approved, uh, Vuity. Uh, it's, it's, it's an Allegan product. You know, eye doctors are very familiar with Allegan. They make a lot of products for the eye, a lot of medications. So talk to us about it. Yeah, so Allergan developed Vuity. Uh, Allergan's an AbbVie company. It's a low-dose pilocarpine of 1.25%. And just recently is the first and only FDA approved eye drop to hit the market for presbyopia. Um, it's gone through clinical studies where it shows it's improving near and intermediate vision. So you think of reading and computer vision without impacting any distance vision. So you're driving at night or in the rain, you still can see the exact same. Um, it's one drop a day and it lasts for mild to moderate presbyopia. And it lasts about six hours for the day. So it's, um, and it can work as soon as 18 minutes too. So it's quick acting, lasts for your daytime um, and FDA approved, which is huge. And so how long do you think it lasts? Does it get us about six hours any more or less? Or do we really, don't really know yet? Well, 
with FDA, it's six hours, but you know, it could last longer. We're, we're really excited to have samples in our office soon to start trying it on patients. Um, the FDA has evaluated two big studies, Gemini 1 and 2, on efficacy and safety and tolerability of the drop. And, you know, it's fast acting. Um, you can gain three lines or more of vision on a reading chart. And that can be a difference of reading a menu versus not seeing the menu. Um, so very low side effects as well. Less than 5% of people had headaches and eye redness in the studies. So back in the day when we used to use pilocarpine, we were very concerned about retinal detachment because some people would get retinal detachment, even the side effect of cataracts. How have they dealt uh, Allergan with these side effect profiles and trying to prevent these side effects when the masses start taking this medication? Yeah, it's absolutely. It is still pilocarpine, but in the studies they did show that um, the development of retinal detachments was extremely rare. Um, and it's still something that needs to be addressed. We still can't just prescribe this to anyone. A patient still needs to have a full comprehensive health examination of their eyes to make sure they aren't a candidate that's already at risk for that. And how do you think we're going to be able to use this with multifocal contact lenses? So we have certain patients, you know, they obviously they need distance vision. So they're in a multifocal contact lenses. What do you think about maybe using this in combination for those patients? They're doing well with the multifocal contact lenses, but say on a scale of one to 10, they look at their reading like an eight and they want to get their reading maybe to a 10 and they want to see really small print. Even if they don't look at it very often, they want that ability. Have you thought about that? And uh, what do you think of the combination of the two? I think that's exactly what the perfect candidate is because it's not something that's gonna cure you. It's not something you use once and it's done. This is a drop that we can add to a, a patient's toolbox. You know, if a patient's in contact lenses, I still want them to have glasses as a backup. They may be able to use contact lenses, the multifocal candidate that you were referring to with the drop to achieve an improvement in their near vision if the multifocal doesn't quite get there. So I think it's just another tool that we can add to a patient's toolbox to give them that perfect vision in all of their daily activities. I believe in the studies in the Gemini 1 and 2, they, they worked with patients that were between 40 and 55. But That's how, correct. How about our patients over 55? What do you, I mean, we don't have a lot of experience, but theoretically, you think it could help those patients as well? To say it's Nobody gonna... in particular that I'm talking about, but... <laughs> No, that's, um, you know, with the studies, we just don't know, but I'm curious if someone that is over 55 uses the drop, could they achieve intermediate vision? Um, could they achieve some near vision and need maybe less strength in their multifocal and reading glasses? I think absolutely. And, and only time will tell, but it is going to be soon as those drops are going to get in the market very soon. So do you think it's going to have an impact on the over-the-counter readers? You know, I hope it does because what I see patients coming in every day wearing, they're like, hey, I'm wearing this over-the-counter reader. I grabbed it. I could see out of it. And we find it's nowhere near the strength they may need, or they have two different eyes and they're straining one eye because it works for the other eye. So I think it'll really drive patients into our offices to assess that near vision, along with the whole health of their eye, to make sure that they're getting the proper treatment for presbyopia. 
I think that's a great point because when I did my residency, I remember we had this gentleman come in. I mean, this is a common story, but this gentleman in particular, and every year he would buy over-the-counter reading glasses and he came in and he was around 55, between 55 and 60. And he goes, well, my, these reading glasses I'm buying, I can't see any of them anymore. And he has, he had glaucoma. And unfortunately he was, he was blind, almost blind in one eye and the other eye was on its way to becoming blind. Yeah, that's, those are the exact stories we see. These patients go, hey, I've been wearing these all these years. Why do I need to go to the eye doctor? And there can be so many underlying conditions. I had a patient this morning that came in and just over 40, 44 years old female and um, looked at the back of their eye, had retinal hemorrhages. We're sending her for carotid Doppler ultrasound. And she's like, I was just here to get glasses. But we found out it wasn't a glasses issue. You just never know, you know, is it just presbyopia that we have all these options to treat it with or something underlying that, you know, we can help with as well. You know, the technology in the optometrist's office is so incredible. We're able to see capillaries in the eye at around 10 microns. And disease happens in the eye before it is happening in the heart, the kidney, the brain, many times. And there's close to 300 systemic diseases that manifest in the eye. And as an eye doctor, you have to be an endocrinologist. You have to be a cardiologist. You have to be a neurologist because the, the eye is so complicated and it affects so many different parts of the body. So it really, it, it really, it, is an issue when somebody just keeps buying reading glasses over the counter and they never really get their eyes examined. You're exactly right. We're all of those things. And it's, it's true. The eye is the window to your soul or your body. I mean, we can see so much that you may not have any idea what's going on. So really important to get those comprehensive eye exams. So there's a company called Lens Therapeutics and they're coming out with a drop that has a, a, a cyclidin in it. And uh, this is an interesting product where it doesn't affect the it doesn't affect the ciliary body. Can you talk a little bit about that and where there may be some advantages of it? It's not FDA approved yet, but they're working on it because let's talk about some of the other drops that are in the pipeline. Yeah, so the um, acyclidine that you're referring to, it's a, a muscarinic acetylcholine receptor agonist. And what it does is it's causing pupil restriction in the sphincter muscle of the iris, so the colored part of the eye. It's currently in phase two clinical trials, and they are finding that because of that pupil constriction, again, reducing the size of the pupil, you're able to gain three lines of near vision um, at, for reading up close. And again, that's huge. Uh, our concern is how long will it last? And they're thinking maybe four to five hours. And you know, will that really help all presbyopes or is it just those mild to moderate presbyopes? So it really only is working on the sphincter muscle versus some of the other drops that are working on the ciliary muscle that preserves distance vision. So the concern is that distance vision could also be affected. And I know they got a big inf infusion of cash to help promote their company and this, this drop. So I'm anxious to see going forward how their studies work out uh, because they're just because of the way they're going just after the pupillary sphincter, they're trying to really avoid the headaches and the possible side effects that you may be that you may get from some of the other myotics that we're going to find out in the future. 
Yep, you're exactly right. Headaches is always seems to be the big question when you are talking about the ones working on the ciliary muscles. Um, fortunately, with the one that has FDA approved Vuity, it is less than 5%. So we were very excited with those results. And we're just hoping it doesn't trigger any migraines or things like that. Now, there's another company out of Israel, Orasis, or, or, uh, or I'm not sure how they say it, but they're, they're also coming out with a combination drug, but they're adding a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication to decrease side effects. If you could talk about that. Yeah, so when you think of a non-steroidal, think of it like you're taking an aspirin um, and you take that for discomfort, take a Tylenol for discomfort, you have some pain. So they're adding this inset or this non-steroidal into the medication to reduce a ciliary spasm that may trigger a headache or light sensitivity. Um, so that's being added in this new, my, it's a myotic. So again, it's shrinking the pupil along with the inset to decrease pain and discomfort that could trigger a headache. And there's a company uh, called iFocus, uh, o, uh, Orex Pharmaceuticals, and they're working with a Colombian ophthalmologist, and they actually have four medications in their drop. If you could speak a little bit to that. Yes, this one I, I've read about. Um, they have pilocarpine, which is found in some other medications, um, Abuity, that's FDA approved. But this one also includes phenylephrine, phenermine, and Kikorolac. And so you've got four medications in one bottle to help improve near vision. The concern I would have is side effects, of course, with all of these. Um, Kikorolac, again, is one that's going to be more for a pain reliever, decrease that ciliary spasm that could lead to headaches. Um, this is not through the FDA right now, but it's the same. The combination of the four is to cause a pseudo-accommodation effect. Again, allowing you to see up close for about eight hours. And there's iNova, and they have a very interesting uh, concept because it's more of a delivery system. So instead of giving a big drop worth of it, because we know as eye doctors, when we give somebody a drop, we tell them to take a glaucoma drop or a dry eye drop, half of it goes down the face because they can't make the dropper small enough to get a little bit out. And this is gonna be able to give micro doses. If you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, a lot of companies are looking at the different ways of dosing or the development of the bottle because you put a drop in and you're like, did it get in my eye? Oh, I'll add another one, it's too, too many. And you're right, it drips down the face. You may have multiple drops in the eye. So this is a little OptiJet dispenser that is used where so only a fifth of the drug volume of the traditional eyedropper is actually dispensed. Um, so it's more consistent, it's targeted um, compared to a typical eyedropper from a bottle. And that's really exciting, especially for our myopia patients who we might, we, we're doing myopia management or control with little kids who we want to we want to microdose them with, they, with with their type of delivery system with one fifth the medication and if we could get the same effect they don't have to use as much drug of atropine and they're using they're looking at this for glaucoma patients as well. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, so less side effects is always a good thing. We just want to make sure it's still getting the active ingredient into the eye um, to get the full effect, but. You're exactly right. Myopic progression is hugely talked about. We are doing it in our office, trying to decrease that change in nearsightedness over time 
um, and drops are one of the ways we can do that. And this is, to me, this is really exciting uh, technology, but no guarantees from the management. MacuHealth, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. So how about anything else in the pipeline that you think might be coming out that we didn't talk about? Well, as far as drops, you know, there's numerous ones coming out, one that's FDA approved, but there's also um, going to be things like surgery. Surgical options are always changing. There's some that have been around that may not do as well, some new ones that are coming out. And um, but really kind of looking at the drugs that we're able to prescribe to change the shape of the lens, to change how we focus is, is going to be huge. I know we're really excited about Vuity and uh, we're, we can't wait to use it. And some of us can't wait to use it either. I'm not going to mention yeah. any names. <laughs> yeah, hopefully very, very soon here. Uh, I'm excited. So let's talk about contact lenses for people that have presbyopia. So, and, you know, talk about the different types of contact lenses, first of all, that we could use for people that need the, that need uh, presbyopic correction. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times that patients come in and they're like, well, I can't see far away or up close. I guess I don't have options anymore. Like I just have to wear the cheater readers. I'm going, whoa, 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 let's talk about all of these options. I mean, contact lenses, we've got hard contacts, soft contacts. Um, we have a hard contacts could be gas permeable, rigid gas pumps, scleral lenses that have a bifocal reader in them. Um, same thing with multifocal soft contact lenses. When I started practicing about 11 years ago, we only had really one or two companies that had multifocal contact lens options. But now we've got Bosch and Loam, Johnson and Johnson, um, Cooper Vision. I mean, Alcon all have options out there for multifocals in dailies, two weeks, and thirty-day contact lenses, and all different materials too. So the most common ones are soft contact lenses, and single use are becoming much more popular. And then there's the center near and the center distance contact lenses. So talk about the difference when we may use a center near contact lens, a center distance contact lens. What's the difference? What does it mean to a patient or even a student who's listening to this or a doctor who's listening to this? Oh, great question, because it's not just like a lined bifocal. You've seen those glasses with the line running across them, above the line's distance, below the line's reading. We've got different designs of contact lenses now. A distance center lens will have the distance prescription right in the center. So when you have that contact on, you're allowed, you can see straight ahead. But throughout the lens in the periphery, you have your near vision. So if you're looking down, if you're looking just off to the side to see your phone, you're able to see that near vision up close. Now, as an early presbyope, you may not need a full near correction yet. You just may need a little bit to get you going where distance is the primary focus. But as we get a little bit older and our near vision changes, which is inevitable, happens to all of us, we may switch over to one eye having a near center lens. So near center is where the near correction for reading up close is in the center. So it allows that eye to really focus up close where the opposite eye is still distance center. 
So you still have one eye that can really focus for driving down the road and the other eye, the near center for reading up close to give you that balanced vision between the two eyes. And all four of the manufacturers make uh, single use and uh, maybe uh, reusable uh, multifocal contact lenses. And I have to say with the single use multifocal contact lenses, because of all the technology the companies are putting into it, whether it's Cooper Vision, Alcon, Johnson Johnson Vision, Bausch & Lomb, we're getting fantastic results. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, we can really look at all the materials, the modalities, you know, as we get older, our eyes tend to dry out a little bit more. So a lens that you could wear for 30 days, it may dry out, lose its properties of that comfort and um, lubrication throughout the month. So Bailey's, the ones you throw away each day are a great option to have a fresh hydrated lens on the eye each day. So the technology that keeps coming out is just incredible. Question I get sometimes from patients is, do we ever use one company in one eye and the other company in the other eye? You know, I absolutely have. Um, sometimes one company's lens may have a little bit better distance focusing center and the, another company may have a little better near focusing center. So I have switched them up. There's no right or wrong. It's you've got to find what's the best balance between your eyes because we all have different eyes. Every patient's going to be different. Is there a difference between a multifocal and a bifocal contact lens? Yes. So like I said, a bifocal, think of it with the line running across, very black and white, above the line's distance, below the line's reading, it's very abrupt change in the vision. A multifocal is much more smooth and a gradual transition between the prescription for reading up close to seeing things far away. It um, makes it an easier, kind of like a progressive for eyeglasses where it's a gradual transition or change. And who's a good, con who's a good, uh, who's a good candidate for multifocal contacts? And what are some of the questions you might ask before you fit them with a multifocal contact? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we have patients every day come in and go, I was told I can't wear contacts. They don't make my prescription or I still have to wear reading glasses or my eyes are too dry. It's really important to talk with your eye doctor about your lifestyle. What do you do for a living? How many hours a day are you on a computer? What are your hobbies? What are your daily activities that you like to do? Because we wanna tailor a prescription right for at your whole day, not just a section of your day. Um, we're gonna look at the health of the eye to determine is your cornea stable to handle a contact all day or is it maybe a little more dryness? You have to look at different materials. So really important to communicate with your eye doctor your goals of a contact lens in order for them to give you the best proper fit. And when you're fitting these lenses, uh, you know, especially if you're using uh, single-use contact lenses, people that have never worn contact lenses their whole life, sometimes they're afraid they're not going to be able to get the contact lens in or out. How do you reassure the patients that they could do that? Oh, absolutely. We get that every day. And one, when I'm looking at those patients and they're going, I'm really nervous. I don't think I'll be able to get it in my eye. I always want to select a low modulus lens. And what that means is the lens that's easier to handle. And again, talk with your eye doctor about that. There's lenses that are easier to maintain their shape on the finger as you get closer to the eye. It's really important to have a, an insertion and training course in with your eye doctor. We have our staff or technicians train patients how to put them in, take them out, 
go over different tips, tricks, techniques, and they even watch a video in our office um, just to make sure that they can handle anything that may happen at home. So a multifocal context, do you usually find that the trick is getting to see distance getting in, or getting them to see near, or does it really vary from patient to patient? Every patient is different. I, I never want to say, hey, you've got to choose which vision, which distance do you want to see? I like to find a balance between distance and near vision. And sometimes it may get a little tricky, especially if we have different prescriptions, especially as we get older, our distance and near prescriptions are different. So we really want to make sure we're achieving the patient's goal and what they want to um, see and use the lens for on a daily basis. You know, multifocal contacts have has been an incredible discovery and invention. You know, a number of years ago, I looked up the 10 or 20 greatest discoveries in medicine and contact lenses wasn't on the list, but it really should be on the list because it's just amazing that I could sit here and talk to you and, and I'm not, I'm wearing contact lenses and it's just fantastic. And I'm wearing one day contact lenses. And I really think it's been taken for granted. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're exactly right. Um, contacts is one of the things I love to fit on patients. I had a patient in here just an hour ago, severe dryness, doesn't like to wear her glasses. She's on Zoom calls every day and she sees her big chunky glasses. So we fit her in a scleral contact lens. It's going to help keep her eyes comfortable, less dry, and we're able to put a multifocal in the lens so she can see at all distances. So it, the technology is just incredible. And do you have any tricks for fitting uh, multifocal contact lenses? Yes, dominant eye. Your eye doctor should absolutely be checking your dominant eye. So some patients go, I shoot with my right eye. And you're going, great, I still check it. I have found a, a police officer he uh, said he shoots with his right eye. He found he was left eye dominant during the eye exam. He ended up having to get a gun that had the scope for left eye and said he shoots better. So that's really important because your dominant eye is the one that wants to see distance. So if you're really focusing on one eye with a distance centered lens or monovision with a distance contact, that has to go on your dominant eye in order to be more successful. Explain what monovision is, and is there still a place for monovision? Yeah, monovision has, has been around for a long time with contact lenses before multifocals came out. What it means, it's a contact lens that you may have worn it as a teenager to see far away. You didn't have any near trouble, but as we hit that magical number around 40, near vision starts to decrease, and you may still wear a distance lens to see distance far away, but in the opposite eye, we change the power a little bit, allowing you to focus up close. So you have one eye for distance, one eye for reading. And it's great for patients that are going, great, I don't want to put on reading glasses all day long. The drawback is, is you may lose a little bit of depth perception, and you may lose one area of distance, like intermediate or reading, because we only have two eyeballs, but we have distance, intermediate, and near vision, we can't correct all three with only two lenses. So there are some drawbacks to those. Are patients still wearing them? Absolutely. Um, they've been in them for years. They're comfortable. They've made it work. But with the new advancements with multifocals, it's really been amazing to switch patients over um, to allow them to see at all distances and get better depth perception. And how about if you have astigmatism? 
Can you wear multifocal contacts? Are there multifocal contacts for people with astigmatism? Yes, we get that question all the time because we still have patients that are, say, I have an astigmatism, I can't wear contacts. Not only can our astigmatism patient wear contact lenses, but now we have three companies out there that have multifocal astigmatism contacts. That is, it's a game changer. Not only can we put the astigmatism in there to correct the shape of your eye, but the multifocal to see far away and up close. I mean, this is a good time to really to say thank you to the big manufacturers of Alcon, CoopaVision, Johnson Johnson, and Bausch and Lomb, because they are putting millions and millions of dollars into R&D so patients out there could get these very sophisticated contact lenses in a very simple way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important that we support them because without them, we wouldn't have the products that we have and be able to wear multifocal contacts. And I could, I could read up close, I could see distance, thanks to their technology and all the money they put into R&D. You're exactly right. And it's incredible how fast they are creating this technology. I mean, these are lenses, the multifocal astigmatism lenses are fairly new to the market in just the past few years. And it's, you know, it makes you wonder what's going to come out next. Every once in a while, a patient asks me if they have color ones that are multifocal. Uh, are you aware of any color ones that are multifocal? I am not. I do get asked that question. Um, you know, you never know what's in the pipeline coming down the road, but, you know, maybe a colored contact with a drop like Vuity to help near vision could be the combination a patient could use. That's great. Great, great idea. So let's switch over to surgical op options. And, you know, with the surgical options, they're kind of doing what the, the drops are doing. They're doing these inlays. They're and they, they put these inlays into the front part of the eye, the cornea, to create a pinhole effect in one of the eyes and kind of make it like a, mo uh, a monovision. If you could talk a little bit about that, there was the raindrop, which I don't believe that is available anymore because of there was some inflammation because they were putting it more in the anterior stroma. But if you could talk about the camera lens, the raindrop, and the philosophy behind these uh, surgical uh, inlay implants into the eye. Those little discs. Yeah, so the corneal inlays are additive technology that can be removed if the patient's unsatisfied. So you're exactly right. They're placing it. They don't remove any tissue whatsoever. It allows them to, in the future, go in and do new technology with it. Only a few companies right now went through the FDA trials to get these devices to market. Um, so the camera inlay is the, the newest one that I'm familiar with. And it's really good to help with monovision. Again, that one eye distance, one eye near. It's placed in the non-dominant eye. So again, going to be more that reading eye, creating that pinhole pupil effect. So making that pupil appear smaller or function as it's smaller, less light rays coming from the periphery to give them a better depth of focus up close so they can see. Um, in the opposite eye, again, that's for distance, we want to maintain that distance vision for driving down the road. And um, the inlay has not found a strong following. You know, we had some surgeons in our area right out of the gate when it started a few years ago, really excited about it, but not seeing that used as much anymore. Um, there are some newer technology that what a surgeon recently told me is going to be coming out to correct that near vision. Let's turn our attention to people who have cataracts. 
explain what cataracts are, and then they have cataract surgery, and then they have intraocular lenses, or we call IOLs. Yeah. So we have patients that come in, when they come in, we evaluate the lens in their eye. We say the lens is clear or the lens is cloudy. And what that is, is we're all born with this crystalline lens in our eye, nice, beautiful, clear lens right behind the pupil and allows us to see, you know, light comes through this clear lens, but over time it can get cloudy. And think of it like a windshield. The windshield gets um, foggy, hazy, frosted over, and you have a hard time seeing through it. Well, when that happens, we can surgically remove the lens in your eye and replace it with an artificial lens or an artificial implant. And there's, it used to be patient would go have surgery, they'd get their standard implant, allow them to see far away, hopefully. But now with technology, there's many options on intraocular implants to be placed in the eye. Well, so if you could talk a little bit about the different type of intraocular implants that could give us um, to be able to read up close. So the multifocal implants. Yeah, so yeah, I talked about the standard implants and that's typically what insurance will cover as a standard implant. But then there's also premium intraocular implants and there's different types. And I'll talk to patients about if they're a candidate for them. There may be um, toric intraocular lenses or multifocal intraocular lenses. Toric is for those patients that have an astigmatism and uh, multifocal is for patients that want that correction far away and up close. There are different multifocal options on the market now to allow that to happen. And there's an accommodative uh, multifocal implant that Bausch and Lomb makes. Can you talk a little bit about how that one works? Yeah, Bausch and Lomb makes the only um, approved accommodative intraocular lens called the crystalline lens, which remains. Um, it's really good for patients. I have a lot of patients get it. It corrects that near vision, uh, allowing that eye to accommodate over time because our prescriptions still may be changing. So you get an implant at a younger age, your accommodative system changes over time, but this is going to fluctuate and flex with your accommodative system as, as you grow. And then Johnson Johnson makes a diffractive lens called the Technus lens. The symphony has uh, has been very popular. If you could talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, the symphony is one um, by Johnson & Johnson. It uses these refractive eschelets that appear similar to like concentric rings. Think of it like a target or a bullseye pattern of a multifocal, that found a multifocal lens, the distant centered, near centered. But it's different when light enters the eye, that light refracts differently. So it's a lens that has concentric rings of distance and near in them based on where light is entering and where you're looking at allows you to focus to see. You have a lot of patients that complain about glare with those implants and does the glare usually go away? I do. So with multifocal implants, we see a lot of patients come in, especially that first month when have a lot of glare, a lot of halos, especially at night, they'll see rings on headlights or in lamps on the street. And originally, years ago, we said, yeah, give it about six months, it should fade away. Now we've had surgeons in, uh, in our area tell us, we tell them more like a year, could take about a year to go away. Some patients still have those rings, those concentric rings they do see, but that vision becomes so clear for them that it's something that they've ignored over time or it's faded over time. 
And Alcon has their own, they have a panoptics lens. If you could talk a little bit about the Alcon lens. Yeah, this Alcon lens is kind of like a trifocal lens, the distance, intermediate, and reading um, to provide vision at all distances. Really successfully used outside of the U.S. for a few years, and now we're starting to see that panoptics more here in the U.S. Um, the reports are really quite encouraging, a lot of successful uh, stories with patients that have had this lens. Uh, less glare with it, too, which is, I think, going to be a game changer. You know, I think these lenses are very surgeon specific. If you have a really good surgeon, they do really well. Patients do really well. And they're, they're really excited about their vision that they have cataract surgeon, surgery and they can see distance, they can see reading. And it's, it's almost like a miracle for these people. It's, it, it, it's, it's great, but it is very surgeon specific, I've noticed. It is. And I, I, I tell patients, I'm very picky about when we're talking about sending for cataract surgery, what is the patient's goal? If they want that multifocal or toric implant, I send them to a surgeon that that's what they do every day, all day. It's, it's their bread and butter are these premium implants because measurements are so important to get, achieve the best results. Now for patients that may have trouble uh, reading once they get one of these implants or even a regular implant and they need their over-the-counter reading glasses. So what do you think about the pilocarpine drops? Is that something that is something we could combine or do we have to be a little bit careful because of retinal detachment? You're exactly right. We, we don't know yet. We don't have any clinical studies um, stating or showing what could happen, but with a good retinal examination determining the, the health of the eye, I mean, it is something we could absolutely try to improve that dynamic modulation of the pupil and how it functions to focus up close. Now, how about LASIK? Somebody who has LASIK and now they're getting into their 40s and 50s. How are, they, how are these uh, drops that cause a pinhole to be able to read? How is that going to be able to combine with our LASIK patients? You know, I'm excited to try that. I have quite a few patients that are falling into that category of their pre-presbyopic or presbyopic. They had LASIK 10 years ago and they're going, I don't want to go back to reading glasses. I don't want to go back to contact lenses. So this drop could be a, a great option for them. Just um, again, full health exam to make sure they're a great candidate for that, monitoring them to make sure that they're achieving the vision that they, they need. Um, you know, it's something definitely to try and maybe a better option than having another LASIK procedure that may not give them the results they want. A question that non-eye doctors out there might be asking, is there also an increased risk of retinal detachment with LASIK like we would have after cataract surgery? So if you could explain how LASIK is working on a different part of the eye. Yeah, so LASIK surgery is... Everyone says, oh, it's, I've lasered in my eye. Well, there's different types of LASIK surgery, and it really is only working on the front of the eye. They actually, the part of the eye you can touch right on the front surface called your cornea. And one of the LASIK procedures is you're awake during this, so it's on the front of the eye. They may make a little flap, or uh, think of it like a door or a hinge on the front surface of your eye. There's five layers of the cornea, and they'll open it up a little door, may do a little laser to adjust the thickness of the front surface of your eye and put that flap back down. Um, that is one technique they can use. 
There's other techniques called PRK, they're photorefractive keratectomy, that more scrapes the front surface of the eye to change the shape and function of the front surface. But all of these procedures for LASIK, they're not touching the retina, they're not even touching the lens where an intraocular implant goes in the eye. It's really front surface of the eye only, so very less risk of any retinal detachment that may occur. Well, I want to thank Dr. Rubel for joining me today. Is there anything that I didn't bring up that you'd like to add to the, tell the audience? You know, we're talking about presbyopia today, and it's all about getting older and having birthdays and not being able to see. Well, there may be ways that we can slow that down, and we're seeing that with patients um, and kids even. We're able to slow down the change in nearsightedness or myopia. I think it's really important to start with your eye exam, talk with your local eye doctor, and let them know all of your concerns as your eyes will age and what you can do now for them. You know, we start to see patients in the offices as young as six months old. So recommended eye exam at six months, six to 12 months for your first one, then again between age three and five, and then yearly after that, because the time will come where you will need glasses, but let's make sure the health of your eyes are perfect and good to go for many years. Since you brought that up, if a baby, a six-month-old baby, has an eye that's turning in or turning out, what's the recommendation to the parents at that point? Absolutely. Please see your local eye doctor. Talk to them about that. If you see it in pictures turning in or out, let's get that checked to make sure it's not a muscle issue that's occurring where that could continue to happen, and it can actually cause that eye to not fully develop. They may have decreased vision in that eye, and it may cause decreased depth perception and can, you know, prevent them from full activities throughout life if they don't have that perfect depth perception. So it's good to get it checked out to make sure that it's nothing else to worry about, or if it is, let's make sure we get some correction. So if people want to find out more about Dr. Rubel, how can they do that? Well, I am, um, I practice in Charlotte, North Carolina at Belmont Eye and Northlake Eye. And I am on social media on Instagram at Dr. I Got This. I like to post all about eye related things that I may see in my office. Um, so I'd love to hear from you. Well, I want to thank Dr. Rupel for joining me today. She's a wealth of information and this was a great, uh, this was a great discussion. I'd love to have you come back once we have more information about Vacuity, uh, the new eye drop. Yes, I'm so excited to try it on patients in our office. Um, my husband, who is an eye doctor as well, will be the first patient in our office <laughs> to use it. So we're very excited to try it and, you know, it's going to be a game changer. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. For Open Your Eyes, this is Dr. Kerry Gelb. Thank you for joining me today. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. 
MacU Health with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. Each generation was supposed to be healthier than the last one. Lifespan was supposed to be increasing. We were supposed to be in this paradise by now. Instead of getting healthier and healthier, it seems to have gone the opposite way. Millennials were projected to be the first generation in history to not outlive the generation before them. We are certainly headed for disaster. I think a lot of people are beginning to question the whole story. We live in a time where the paradigms are shifting. And the optometrist, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets. The public doesn't realize about going to the eye doctor. So many different diseases actually manifest in the eye. The back of the eye is the only place in the body that you could actually see the blood vessels. Completely non-invasively, you could screen thousands of people, not just for their eye health, but for their whole body health. Because this disease is here, it's also gonna be here. And I can look into the back of my eyeball and there are expert doctors on the ground who are looking at my eyeball while I'm doing it. The eye is the canary of the mind. The eye is the kingdom. Will everyone please Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.